0: Are you sinking tired of the financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal fitness and freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So, from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion dollar mortgage company. So, here's your host. Scott
1: Smith. Hi, I'm Scott Smith, host of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom with my co-host Laura Lewis. In our last episode, we talked about a payment tax and how it would dramatically reduce your taxes. We gave an example of somebody earning hundred thousand dollars, and today they're paying thirty to forty thousand in taxes. And with the payment tax, they'd only be paying two hundred and fifty dollars. And what my assertion is, is that two hundred and fifty dollars is their fair share to not only balance the budget, but provide all the benefits we're going to talk about in this episode. And the reason that works is because there are seven thousand six hundred trillion dollars in payments in our economy each year compared to the paltry 21 trillion we earn, So we should be taxing payments and not income. So in this episode, we're going to talk about all the benefits that are possible if you were paying that tiny quarter percent Payment tax. Everything we talk about in this episode would come from that quarter point. In other words, $250 out of $100,000 in income. Now, the reason I was inspired to do the research behind the payment tax and these benefits is that I had the distinct impression that as the decades go by, we're falling behind. What from what we could be doing. In other words, technology is advancing our economy, but something about the monetary economy pulls it back. And as an example, my father and mother, my dad, when he graduated from college, he got a job as a junior reporter at the Miami News. My mom got a job as a preschool teacher. They saved for a couple of years and they were able to buy an entire acre of land in South Miami and they were able to build their home by hand. And that was just a few years after graduating from college with starter jobs. We can't do that today. That's my (laughs) example. And Laura, that's, comment on that.
2: (laughs) Well, as a millennial, it is definitely something that homeownership is a thing of the past for us. We can aspire to it as much as we'd like and Sometimes, you know, we ultimately hopefully will get there. But, you know, being in my 30s now, it's not what people had before. Like now it's more of ai am going to have it in my 40s or I can like start saving up for it now. But it really is just not the same as it was before your parents were in their early 20s and they were able to afford this. I'm going to be twice that age by the time I'm able to. And it just to me seems like for our generation, wages are falling behind that rising cost of living.
1: That's a, it's a good point when you put it that way for millennials and for this generation, maybe early forties. In fact, for my generation, it was about. 10 years after you got out of college, so early 30s. But it's true for my parents' generation. It was, they were in their mid-20s with starter jobs and they could afford a home. And that's an acre. And he, I think he built about a 2,500 square foot home. And that's... Yeah, it's different than today. So, how how do we solve this problem? So, a tax cut with um, a payment tax is a good start. So, if you you look at that guy who was earning hundred grand, if he's paying forty thousand in taxes a day, he's got sixty thousand left over. He or she, if they're only paying two hundred and fifty, they've got ninety nine thousand seven hundred and fifty left over. Huge jump right there. That solves a lot of problems. But a payment tax at a quarter point collects way more revenue than we collect a day. Um, probably three three to maybe four times as much revenue as we collect a day, which means that not only can we balance the budget, but we can pay universal basic income. So we heard Andrew Yang talk a lot about this. We've heard people bring it up. And the question is always, how do you pay for it? And that's a payment tax would do that. And with that quarter point, we could actually pay. And for people watching the video, you can see a table here, uh, $24,000 per adult starting at age 18, going up to $36,000 a year after age 70. That would be irregardless how much you earn. Every, every adult citizen would get that check. So for twenty four thousand a year is two thousand a month. So every month you'd get a check for two thousand a month. I'm on how that would change things in your view.
2: I think that would be such an amazing thing. To, you said that it would start at eighteen. I think that's really when you're hitting mm-hmm. real life for people, right? You're having to start college and simultaneously work to cover the expenses of that. And instead of being your full time job, focusing on your school, you're having to really spread your time around and focus on what is important to survive. I think also just looking at my mom takes care of her elderly mother and Mm -hmm. my aunt takes care of her elderly mother and they have no income. Their retirement is very small. And so just seeing like things that they can't afford to do because they don't have, they can't work at this point now and Mm -hmm. the benefits that they have aren't enough to cover a full life. So it really would just make such a difference in the people who need it most. And I think it really focuses on your entire life, but primarily right in the beginning of adulthood and right at
1: the end, it would be really, really a huge. Okay, so that's a good point because that 36,000 a year, um, that kicks in at age 70, goes for as long as you live. And most people's social security is not at that level, but quite a few people, it's way less than that. And there are a lot of people who get none or very little social security. So this this would this payment tax with universal basic income would also eliminate what I call a lot of people call the welfare trap, which is where if you are on some sort of social welfare and you've got a um, you get a job, you lose those benefits. Right. And so that's I've I've been in different parts of the country and talked to welfare recipients and they'll admit that they have they work a little under the table because welfare is not enough for them. But if they dare report it, they lose their welfare. So they see it as a trap, too. So that Eliminates that. So you can argue that welfare is a disincentive to working. And then basic income is an incentive to working because a started job or a job that might be the first job you can get. If you add in the basic income, you've got a livable wage. So that's right. the key there.
2: I think knowing that it's not going to go away is something that only propels you forward. I think it will also make a huge impact on. Eliminating homelessness. And I think just of all the money that we're pouring into those resources right now to, and I think we're seeing a lot of that in like larger cities, San Francisco, New York, et cetera. We're putting a lot of money into clearing, you know, these out because it does pose a danger, not just to the people who don't have homes, but also to the surrounding communities. And that's money that, you know, we could, we don't have enough to completely end it, but during, oh, under this plan, we would like that would be something that would cover that. It would free up resources, people, et cetera to not have to deal with
1: that. Yeah, I think there's a real irony is that if we were paying basic income, like the, on the level I'm talking about, a lot of these people would not end up on the street. And once they are down and out, they cost more per person to handle yeah. that. So this this could help solve some major problems. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Paybacking off that, you also mentioned in your book, the earned income credits, which would, I think, greatly eliminate the welfare gap, welfare trap, how would that work?
1: Okay, so that's a good point. So in addition to getting a universal basic income, if you did work, you would get earned income credits. That's based on how much you earn, you get another check that comes in with it so we've got a table if you are on the on the video you'll see there's a table that shows for a certain level of income you get a 50 percent credit and so that would be like if you're zero to fifteen thousand if you're earning fifteen thousand dollars you get this fifty percent credit so you take home another seven thousand five hundred dollars Then the next level up is 35%. It goes all the way up to $50,000 where you would get a credit, an additional check that you would take home with your, your pay. That encourages people to work and it further stimulates the economy. And then the other thing that I think that's necessary to help with people working would be childcare credits. And so this payment tax is sufficient to provide childcare credits as well.
2: I know when I was reading it, that was the one that jumped out to me the most. Um, I think I was a single parent and I was handling all of my child care costs with what I was making and I was a single, like one income family. So it was really tough to figure out my schedule, her schedule, and regardless of where they are when they're, you know, before school age or once they are school age, her school would end at 3 p.m. and my job would go till 6 p.m. I still had to pay out of pocket to get her through until I was able to pick her up. And it's things mm-hmm. that I'd never had thought about before, but it really makes a huge impact on what we were, like the type of life that we were able to live.
1: I've seen a lot of studies that show that the cost of childcare is the biggest barrier to getting into employment and the biggest barrier to getting the uh, education you need. And so childcare credits are an essential part of this Plan two. So
2: on top of all of these benefits we've already talked about, you also bring up free health care. And mm-hmm. I know that this is a really hot topic that has plagued America for as long as I can remember. And I, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So again, with a payment tax, there's sufficient money to pay for free health care for everyone in our country. And sometimes that's debatable as what that would cost. I chose a figure of $4.5 trillion because the Kochs had done a study. It was a concert they conservative group and uh, their figure was on the higher end of those that I saw. So our budget is based on that. And we are able to do that. I do propose in my book, though, that we can pay for healthcare in a different way than we do it. Because I note that we pay $11,000 per person in our nation for healthcare, And wow. that's the highest in the, con- in the world. And there are a lot of other countries, Israel, Hong Kong, Singapore, not Hong Kong, South Korea, same standard of living as we have, same cost of living. And arguably even better health care but certainly equal to our health care and their prices are more in the three five thousand dollar per person range so we have a higher cost to our health care than would be indicated by global statistics right my assessment on that is it's because we don't have a competitive environment and in other words as a consumer if you had a certain amount of money that came from the government that you could spend and you could make the choice of which providers you wanted so you're choosing providers and the providers were competing for your attention and your business that introduces some competition in there and The challenge we have today is it's a third party paying. So whether it's an insurance company or the government, it's a third party calling the shots. And so that just leads to bureaucracy, red tape and dissatisfaction. So I propose that at the 4.5 trillion, it's plenty of money to do it the way we're doing it now, but you let another program grow up alongside of it, in which That money just follows the consumer's whim and they're allowed to pick a provider directly and pay into that provider group directly. Because you think about, there's like, this amount of money that goes to the providers and here's to the healthcare, you know, to the healthcare insurance, that layer right there that goes to an insurance companies. If you look at the total budget of insurance companies, amount of people they employ, the overhead, the, the profits, it's enormous. Every dime you're paying into that system is not going directly to healthcare. Right. And so I think we should have the option to pay the provider directly and then let the doctor manage their expenses because if they're getting the top line money and you know their pay comes from the bottom line, they're going to do a better job of keeping costs down than having a third-party watchdog in my mind. So yeah, we can pay for free healthcare. And I think we can do a better job of paying for healthcare than we do today too. On top of that.
2: I think that would apply even now without... I mean, obviously the payment tax would be an incredible thing to implement, but that's something that we could do now that would make a massive difference. I think that would also make a big difference just in pharmaceuticals and treatments that are so, they're just priced out and cost prohibited to people who really need it and providing, you know, the free healthcare and things like that would just transform life.
1: Yeah, if we provided it where the consumer was able to make choices and the providers competed with each other. And that's also the way I approach the free college piece, too. So, the, uh, again, a payment tax quarter point is enough to pay for everyone going to college today. We be wow. Free college for everyone. And that, I mean, how many of your friends are saddled with student debt today? Pretty much
2: everybody I know is just is still paying. I mean, I know people who left school 20 years ago and they're still paying these loans because they, isn't it isn't even like the original loan they're paying. They're continuing to pay off interest and this and that because you can't pay off hundreds of thousands of dollars all at once. Or even if you took out a smaller amount, that's not something early in your career that you can just pay off the next day. The interest that it's accruing, it just swallows people.
1: Uh, Yeah, I know somebody whose student loan balance is three times now the cost of their tuition because of accrued interest. Oh my gosh. They're not the exception. So if we look at it from... point of view of the robustness of the economy there's 1.6 trillion dollars of student debt out there today that's like you take that that group of people moving into the economy and that's like 1.6 trillion dollars plus the interest of pay on that, that they're not able to put towards a house, developing a family and all of that. And that is just, in any way you cut it, it's a drag on GDP. Right. So that's a drag on the robustness of our economy. So the challenge with paying for college, having a free college, is that college tuition has been escalating. I would argue the reason college tuition is escalating the way it is today is because of the student loan program. It's the same phenomenon we had in 2000. 2008 when home prices were escalating because of easy credit. If you have easy credit, then people don't think twice. You know, we encourage people to take out student loans, you know, And so then they're saddled with that. But the fact that the money is being loaned to them means that they don't think as much about the cost of college, the tuition. And that's what drives tuition costs. It allows tuition costs to go up. So in my book, when I proposed free college, I proposed that the federal program would be they would pay up to $10,000 a year for college, but they wouldn't allow the $10,000 to be paid towards a $50,000 tuition. They'd say, we'll pay for your college but you have to find a college that costs ten thousand dollars or less and that's it If, Mm -hmm. if you go to a college that costs more than that it doesn't qualify for that now there's a reason for putting that provision in there because my wife works in the education field And I've had the opportunity to talk to a number of admissions departments at Ivy League colleges and including college presidents. Every single one that I've talked to said if we got $10,000 per student, Mm -hmm. we'd be able to we'd be able to make it economically. We charge higher tuition here because we don't get anything there. And and so by saying, hey, the federal program is if a college offers you tuition at 10 grand, we'll pay for it. Now you've got all these students that come in with a college paid. You'll figure, you'll see that almost every college in our country can deliver the education at (laughs) $10,000. So that's, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting, it's, interesting approach to it. I'd contrast that to some of the plans that have people running for president and have proposed free college. When you look at their plans, I honestly believe their plans would drive up the cost of tuition and this would help drive it down. So ever I put in these benefits, I'm always also looking at how do you keep the cost as low as right. possible.
2: Which is great. And I think making it just more accessible and free, you know, of all the things, I think we would become just the most educated country in the world, which would only make us stronger.
1: See, that's a really good point for if people were getting the proper health care and they had access to college. So I'm, I'm not saying you only can get free college when you're 18 to 22. I'm saying higher education at any point in time. And that might be a six month certification on data analytics when you're 40 yeah. years old, you know. Right. Yeah, a highly educated and healthy population is the basis of a strong economy. And so this approach allows us to do this and yet have a balanced budget.
2: These benefits are huge. I don't know if you're able to somehow calculate what the bottom line would be for the average family.
1: Oh, yeah, I have I have a couple of tables that if you're on the uh, video, you can look at these tables. Otherwise, I'll do my best to uh, present all these numbers in a way that makes sense <laughs> when you're just listening to them. But for example, with a, a retired couple today with social security, it's, they get around $30,000 and under program, they'd have around $71,000. So that's a huge jump for the average retired couple For a couple earning $30,000 and presuming they have a $100,000 mortgage, they end up with around $18,000. And under this plan, they'd be at eighty. 1,000. Wow. So huge jump if you're um, in that range, for a family earning a hundred thousand, and it, again, we're going to presume they have a three hundred thousand dollars mortgage. So after mortgage payments and taxes, they're left with around fifty one thousand. So a hundred goes down to fifty one thousand, and under this plan, they'd actually have a hundred and thirty seven thousand so because they're getting that basic income. There, it's more than their income. Right. And for a family of two hundred and fifty thousand with a five hundred thousand dollars mortgage, they're left with about a hundred and forty today, and they'd have 280,000 under this plan. So families would do extraordinarily better.
2: That's amazing. And you mentioned that this could all be afforded with the payment tax. How much exactly would it cost the government? Okay,
1: good question. And we'll put another table up for those watching the video. Total cost of all these benefits we went through come to $11, 000, $11 trillion, $11.9 trillion. And that's more than the budget is today. The total budget is today. So this is, it's, it's an enormous addition in expenditures for the government. But as you can see in the next table, the way it works is our current budget, and this is the federal government, all state governments, and all local governments together. So, like New York City, California, everything added in current budget is eight point five trillion dollars, and you add the eleven point nine trillion, and that means and that, but you also construct subtract three. 3 trillion because there's a lot of other programs we're paying for today that we wouldn't have to pay for if we had free healthcare and free college. So the new budget, the net new budget is $17 trillion. A pay, the revenue from a payment tax is 19. That means we'd have a budget surplus of 1.9 trillion. Wow. Well, we'd have almost $2 trillion left over after paying for all these budgets. That's all of these benefits. That's the bottom line.
2: Incredible.
1: Right now, our deficit is well over a trillion it's it's there's no end in sight for that deficit getting bigger. And so you're going from a negative trillion plus to a positive two trillion the budget with this so we can easily afford these things with a payment tax. Wow. So that wraps up this episode on benefits. You can see they are huge. You thought that your taxes is going from thirty thousand to two hundred and fifty was a big change. Well, now suddenly you have all these other things. That's a huge change. And then, you find out that the budget actually has a surplus. There's like no reason not to do this. In our next episode, I'm going to talk about something else that will save you a lot of money and will also help you to finance the various things in life that you need, including a startup business, if you want, and that is Banking 2.0. That will be in our next episode. Thank you, everybody.
0: So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to fiscalfitnessandfreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's blueprint to discovering your own unique formula to personal success and join us on the next episode.